Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are here with episode number 174 of the AR-15 Podcast. So tonight we're going to be talking with the guys about where to secure your rifle when the revolution comes. And before we get too deep into the show, we want to give a shout out to Arrow Precision and Otis Te- Technology, two fine companies who have uh, graciously um, agreed to support us in our uh, attempts to really spread the word about the AR-15 and uh, share what we and our listeners know about building these great rifles. Um, so... We're going to do a, a, a new little segment here and, and bring up a couple of items in the news. So, uh, JD, you spotted today a piece about ATF clarification on the uh, new 41F regs. So, why don't you uh, delve into that a little bit and um, tell us what you discovered? Well, um, we were waiting for the like the definitions from um, ATF 41F. Um, reasonable person on a trust was one of the ones that we were waiting for because if you have several people on the trust, it may be a pain in the butt to get everybody fingerprinted and everything. And so they came uh, to the definition of a reasonable tr- a reasonable person. Responsible. I believe they uh, – what was that? Responsible. Responsible. See here, I thought I was reasonable all this time. Uh, responsible person, um, as used in a reference of a trust or a partnership association company or cor- corporation. So they laid it all out today. Um, Silencer Shop shared it. Several other places uh, got it out there. Uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. But uh, basically, it, it breaks it down uh, to who a responsible person is on your trust if you choose to use a trust after July 13th, 2016, which is, as of this recording, five days away um, before the rules change for 41F. You know, so that's what I found out. It, it seems like a pretty reasonable list, uh, and it, it terms it in terms of people who may be responsible. Of course, I think this is a, a facts and circumstances kind of test because you can create a trust in which a settler or grantor doesn't have any rights under the trust. Uh, the trustee is a necessary party because they essentially hold nominee title uh, to whatever it is that they're entrusted with. And then, of course, beneficiaries uh, may or may not have rights under the trust, once again, depending on the language. So, you know, I think all in all, that's a pretty reasonable approach to um, the issue of who is a responsible person. So... It really it helps me out because it, trying to figure it out, I only have a uh, successor trustee, and then uh, my beneficiary is one of my kids. And uh, the way my trust is written, he doesn't have any power. The successor doesn't have any power until I pass away. And uh, my son is several years from being of age to be able to take these into his possession. So works out well for me. I just got to worry about myself. Right. See? And that's always good. Well, <clears throat> so... You know, here's where we touch on something that um, it's not pleasant. Uh, we've had uh, news in in my hometown of a horrible tragedy that has uh, taken place, affecting the lives of uh, several uh, Dallas Police Department families. Uh, the Dallas Police Department, as a family who supports those officers, uh, have been dealing with this tragedy. And, you know, it's not something that... As a firearms podcast that we, um, that we hear and, and aren't affected deeply by. So I, I think what it comes down to is that, um, as small as these words are, uh, when people face such enormous loss and tragedy, uh, we here at the show send our condolences to all of the people who have been affected by this tragedy and all of the people nationwide who are a part of those events which have been linked to everything that's been going on. Um, so, J.D., why don't you um, uh, tell us what's on your on your heart today? 
You know, it's uh, I work in the broadcasting industry, and um, there are a lot of angry people out there. And what happened? What'll be what's last night? But it'll be a couple days away when this is released. It's just absolutely mind blowing. My um, oldest son Jeremy, he's 11 years old. Um, we've adopted our kiddos. He came to us when he's about two and a half. And uh, he hated police officers, was scared of them for the first three, four years of his life. Um, we finally figured out why he was involved in a, a domestic violence incident where a police officer came in to keep him safe and removed him from people he loved. Um, thankfully, uh, men and women here in Las Vegas that serve our Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department um, heard me talk about it, and they offered to come out to our house. Well, mm-hmm. since that day... Um, he has wanted to be a police officer or a professional baseball player. So watching the news and having him ask a bunch of questions, um, my 11-year-old son was, was praying for law enforcement here in our community last night. Our family was. And, uh, man, it just really, it, it was, it, it sucks the fact that we have brave men and women who defend us every day and keep our community safe and they have to face things like that. So um, when it happens, know our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, we have, uh, you know, law enforcement guys who listen to the show, who contact us. Thank you for what you guys are doing. Thank you for your service. Thank you for keeping us safe. And um, we really appreciate you. Uh, I know I don't only speak for me, but the whole network appreciates what you guys do. Um, not just because we're connected in firearms, because what you guys are doing is, man, the stuff that heroes do. So I could go on all night about how awesome you are, but I just want to let you know that uh, thank you for what you do. And our thoughts and prayers are with you as you're touched by this tragedy. Well, so <clears throat> it's hard to uh, move on from that. Um, certainly, I think that this is going to be something that will be in the news for a while. Um, there may be further comments. Um, you know, as we kind of talk about the impact of events like this on uh, the industry and the hobby that we all enjoy. Um, but just, uh, just know that, you know, our hearts go out. Um, so guys, um, moving on, what have, uh, what have we all been up to this week? Chris, you haven't talked yet. What have you been up to, man? Um, I actually, uh, with my new job, I sold a couple cars. Nice. So it's it's very exciting, and uh, you know I kind of got I've been a car guy for many years, so it's it's nice to to come full circle and and really take all the training and everything that I've been sitting up there doing and spending countless hours in front of a computer um, and really putting the you know the rubber to the road and helping people out, changing lives and and doing that through uh, through automobiles. So. Well, you know, it's a great thing that you agreed to come on the show and give us all discounts. <laughs> come on in. Why do I know? I mean, you do work in a Ford dealership, right? Is that what I, I do. gathered? I do, yeah. I do, yes. Nice. Yeah. I think I'd just as soon um, find out my sister was a whore than drive a Ford, though. Oh, wow. I'm going to edit that out in the post-show production. I'm going to change it around <laughs> to what Reed says. I love Fords like I love Ironsides. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, JD, how about you? What have you been up to? Um, I had plans to uh, actually finish a rifle build. <laughs> I know. It's like a unicorn, mythical, and it doesn't happen. Do I just have a bunch of lowers that I collect? Um, and I about procured the funds and was able to start to make the purchase, but something else came up, and... Uh, it looks like I am going to uh, do some shopping for uh, a suppressor again. And uh, so once again, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to end up down the road with more suppressors than I have complete rifles. So one day, one day, Reed, I will build another rifle. Oh, my God. You are so, so helpless to your addiction. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to try to hit the range this weekend. I have no idea what I'm taking, what I'm shooting, but I am going to go out there by golly and shoot because it has been far too long. You know, transitions are tough because you have things like this happen and uh, transitions happen and you get out of your schedule, out of your routine, and then you realize that you miss it. I tell you, I miss being able to have my Friday range time in the morning and get out there and just 
go to town for a little while. I didn't even need to be there that long. Just you know, long enough to go through a couple boxes of uh, pistol ammunition to, you know, keep my perishable skills from perishing. And gosh, I just feel like I've neglected it. Anyway. Not that, not that we want to see video of you, but you got to take out your new A1 build, and you got to show us. All right, True. well, I'll take it out. I'll get it zeroed, and I'll send you guys something that I print up with it. You know, I've got Sounds a good. I've got a good old fashioned sling, and you know, this is a, a A1 uh, upper, so it doesn't have a, a flat top. That means it has to have irons on it. So I'm I'm good. I'll get out there, and I'll I'll, I'll do you proud. <laughs> that's that that hasty sling, right? Uh huh. All right. Yeah. So we got a main topic tonight, and I, I think that uh, this one was uh, my doing. So if you have any problems with the show, then you can send those to JD because that's what he handles. But if you love the show, then you can send something to me and tell me how much you liked it. So uh, tonight's uh, show, we're going to be talking about storing your rifle for the revolution. And you know, being a lawyer, I always joke with people that when the revolution comes, I will be the first one against the wall. Uh, except for the fact that... Uh, I'm a Marine, and I have firearms, so just try it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, it it kind of touches tangentially on a, a serious uh, question that uh, people, I think, mull about in their brains, uh, and that's the question of where would you put your rifle if you had to because things were getting ugly. And that's what you felt was in your own best interest. And, you know, being uh, possessed of a, a degree of legal education, understanding uh, some of the principles of the Constitution, having been sworn to uh, serve and protect the, the principles of the Constitution on several occasions, I have what I believe is a very thorough understanding of uh, what it is. What, what its importance is, uh, why it should be defended. And certainly there is the expression in the very words of uh, uh, that document that uh, talk about the, the moment in time when we as uh, Americans might be forced through no, uh, I guess, aggressive or, you know, premeditated purpose to take up arms and defend those principles that we hold dear. Uh, one part of that is having arms to take up and <clears throat> in the eyes of a lot of people that uh, opine on it, uh, you can only have those arms to take up if you keep them from being seized before the days of the revolution come. So, what are we going to cover? What to store, how to store, where to store, and why? Okay. And I'll and also their ideas on where they would store. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've talked in the past about, you know, what happens when the SHTF, you know, when the times come where uh, you're, you're going to have some troubles. And uh, what are you going to do to make sure that your firearms stay uh, serviceable, that they're fed, that they're kept in... in you know, uh, place that, uh, makes sense. And so we're going to cover kind of what to store. I mean, you know, I think obviously the first thing is a firearm. You know, if you're going to try to make sure you're armed when the revolution comes, you, you have to have the arms, but you also have to feed them, maintain them and repair them. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking that ammunition is a big part of any thought about what you're going to store. And certainly, uh, that adds a different dimension to uh, the thoughts of how you're going to store something. So uh, <clears throat> do you guys have any thoughts about um, the first two items, um, firearms so, and ammunition? So would you, would you be doing this before the revolution comes in? Just a side note, every time you say the revolution's coming, I picture uh, Tommy Lee Jones in that Steven Seagal <laughs> movie with the uh, destroyer. But, um, <laughs> Are you storing, are you storing a rifle you currently use and is like your go-to rifle or are you storing a backup rifle? Something that you could put away and do without for a while? You know, here's kind of always been my thought. 
if it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen um, in plain sight. You know, I don't think it's going to be black helicopters and, you know, dark SUVs, you know, pulling up to, you know, random houses across the nation, um, walking out with big giant bags with barrels sticking out. No, I mean, I think it's going to be um, a, a wave of, of popular support. You know, laws will be passed. Um, uh, there will be a ramp up. You know, there will be a writing on the wall that lets you know that something's coming. And, you know, I think that uh, any patriot is going to have to sit back and consider, you know, what does it mean to actually stand up for something you believe in? You know, is that going to be the time where people arm themselves and go toe-to-toe with the government? Or um, are reasonable minds going to take the position that now is the time to see if we can't get things straightened up and fix it before it goes too long? But there's always going to be, I think, that that line in the sand, you know, crossing the Rubicon, the point of no return where someone decides it's time to make a stand. You know, here it was, you know, the Alamo, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're steeped in the history in Texas of, of how our, our, uh, forefathers created a nation here. And so <clears throat> my thought is, is that when you figure out that you want to have something to use for the revolution, it's going to be under the pressure, I think, of a potential confiscation of what you might have. And to me, that means that you're going to hide it before they knock on your door. Mm-hmm. That it's going to have been disappeared. That you're going to have, you know, a story like millions and millions of other Americans about how it fell off your boat. How it's... You know, at the bottom of Lake Louisville, how it's, you know, somewhere that can't be found. You know, it was stolen, it was sold, it was, you know, it was handled legally through the system, you know. And, you know, like, right now, my gun safe's empty. I sold everything. So, when it comes down to it, I do think that it's going to be something you own. It's going to be something that you may thoroughly enjoy shooting. But you realize that now is the time to make sure it's safe and secure so that it doesn't disappear. So, yeah. It's a long-winded, so the answer the- to bu- to, it's a long-winded way of answering your question. You asked me the time. Uh, I, I built you a clock. <laughs> I get it. I mean, then the name of the podcast will be like Knitting and Stitching with Reed, J.D., and Chris. Or uh, <laughs> Cross-Stitch cross Needles 15 or uh-huh. Assault Crochet. I mean, we, we'll figure out something. Yeah, We'll yeah. use code words to talk. But, I mean, that makes sense. It, you'd have to be able to see it and be able to, you know, feasibly put away uh, firearms. I mean, you don't want to limit yourself to just one. Um but the ammunition too. I mean, you're gonna have to. You're gonna want to store them pretty close together so that it makes it feasible that if you had to go to that spot or that place or that boat or that cabin or that you know buried cachet somewhere, that you would have mm-hmm. maybe even everything from this list in that general area, so you were able to acquire and maintain uh, those firearms. Yep. 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 <laughs> So yeah, and I th- I think I think one of the biggest things, like especially when it comes to firearms, if you're going on on that multiple um, multiple levels, uh, you know, with with Reed and his obsession with the 357 Sig, uh, if he's got a 357 Sig Glock and a 357 Sig AR, having having a common round that way because. Goodness, you go in my safe and I've got 308, I've got 38 special, I've got like 19 different calibers. So it would behoove you to have something along the lines of, of, of a commonality because it it's just less that you have to store that way. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are some thoughts about maximizing your effort when you're thinking about what to store. Uh, you know, certainly 
in 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 terms of I think what JD posed is, is a, a good theory of having multiple caches. You'd hate to have all of your rifles and all of your ammunition in one spot for it to get found by somebody, and for you to come up empty-handed because uh, you were a day late and a dollar short. Uh, you know, certainly you'd hate to you know have your three hundred eight. 308 ammunition uh, in the the cache with your AR and your 223 in the cache with your pistol and you know your mm-hmm. um, you know bolt gun that's chambered in 308 sitting with every single magazine for both pistol and rifle and you know there are caches that are miles apart <laughs> you you just kind of screwed yourself so uh, I think that there there is kind of uh, uh, a thought of what should be included uh, in that cache in terms of a, a very vertical collection of everything within the, the realm of what that rifle is going to need. So I would, well, and I don't, I don't know about you guys, but it's, it's hard for me because, because I like going to my safe in my house and looking at, at all of my fire, you know, minus the ones that are spread out here and there. But I like to look at all my firearms in one place. So it's really hard, uh, a concept to think about, Hey, you know, do I need to take this rifle, this pistol, 500 rounds of ammo and go bury it 10 miles down the road somewhere where I could get to it. It's, it's a very interesting mindset that you have yeah. to have. To, you know what, Chris, to be prepared. Here's the thought that crosses my mind. You know, in much the same way that we just got some clarification on the 41F uh, regs that are coming out, what happens when that clarification is, you know, 82B, you know, on, you know, December 31st, your rifle is going to be illegal. Uh, You're to take it to the nearest law enforcement agency and deposit it. And the thought in your mind is, you know, I'm willing to hide this. Because if I don't, yeah. and what this is, is the slow decline into um, a nation that is uh, run by dictators or uh, a, a nation uh, subjected to tyranny, I want to be able to do what I think my constitution tells me I should do. Well, I don't think you have that dilemma then. What you have is the writing oh, on the wall. Not. The writing's on the wall, and then you just basically figure out whether or not it is within you to take that stand. And if it is, then that's what you do. So I, I don't think, I don't think that that will be something that'll be hard for you when the time comes, when the writing is on the wall. Today, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Today I'd have a hard time taking something I enjoyed taking to the range and burying it. I would, I would, I would be unburying it, you know, every weekend. And then it would be really obvious where it is. It'd be that big, you know, dirt mound in the middle of my backyard. It looks like it's yeah. you know, <laughs> never been left undisturbed for more than a week. <clears throat> but, um, so, you know, damn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I think the obvious things when you're talking about a cache or firearms, ammunition, or magazines. But, you know, along with that are the ideas of spare parts for repairs or routine maintenance and tools. So I don't know that you need to have enough spare parts to build three or four more rifles in your cache. And I don't know that you're going to need the highest degree of precision uh, tools kept in your cache. But I do think that there is a reasonable number of items that fall within those two categories that one should consider. And I would think that it's whatever you think you would carry with you to service your rifle were you to basically have to rely on it uh, long-term without any support. Now, JD apparently thinks that you should include all of your lowers that belong to the unfinished rifles that you had planned to build but didn't get around to because they just banned them all. So I guess, JD, you think you should put those in the cache as well? You can never have too many lowers. Yes, but when the revolution comes, can you complete those lowers? Um, well, if you have enough spare parts. But what if you don't and you can't buy anymore? Don't they then become the sacrificial lambs? That what if you die you... on the way to your cash? Then, I mean, nothing matters. We can play the what-if game all day, Reed. 
Yes, ad absurdum. But let us talk about the idea of having a lower post illegality, post ban, post um, the point of non existence. What good is okay, the lower so think, then? Think about it. so you can have an extra one in case yours breaks, or you can have one to trade because maybe all that somebody needs to put together another rifle is a lower. Now, wait a minute. You're saying that the revolution comes and you have just found the non-internet version of eBay and you have a lower and another guy has a need for a lower and you're going to connect. Oh, I'm saying when you and I meet halfway between Texas and Las Vegas, we'll come across a little friendly community and a guy, a good guy, will need a lower and we'll be able to trade for something we need. Uh-huh. I need to watch Mad Max after do you this. Think that, do you think do you think this is like Fallout or something? <laughs> yeah, you have like a pack of unlimited holding and you run about and trade all of your unwanted broken firearms for brand new usable workable firearms and ammunition. You know, all this is getting edited out edited out when I get to the show, so Well that's so unfair. That just so keep unfair. mocking me. Just keep mocking get me. Your, get get your Pip Boy three thousand going, baby. All right. So, you know, I think that there is a uh, – it's a fairly straightforward um, common sense list of what you probably need to store in your cache. Um, but let's talk about how to store what you're concerned with. And, you know, here's the thing that has always concerned me just – I mean, even in storing things in my own home, and that's rust. You know, you don't worry about aluminum, although it can oxidize a little bit. I am worried about a barrel rusting out. And, you know, certain long-term storage options are going to present issues of, really, how are you going to protect that firearm in the long run when you can't service it because it's underground or it's, you know, in a place where you can't control the moisture or whatever the case may be. So first on my list of uh, how to store something like that is Cosmoline. Yeah, the... Agent that prevents rust, uh, used, uh, I guess for probably a hundred years now to protect, uh, you know, ships, tanks on, uh, transport craft crossing the open ocean, shore batteries, you know, things in places where rust will destroy something virtually overnight. And Cosmoline is the, um, it's the component that keeps those things free of, you know, dreaded rust. So it is kind of a bear to get off of a rifle, especially any of you guys out there that have touched something that's uh, in the uh, the old, uh, what, curio and relic uh, uh, category or something that is just, uh, you know, probably from uh, another age. Uh, there is more than likely a Cosmoline battle you're getting ready to have to fight. But those I, in the guns, man. Uh, I've seen fireballs yeah. come out of those things. <laughs> so, yeah, the 9130s. Cosmoline is one of those things that I think is really going to be critical if that's something on your mind. Storing a firearm long term. Frankly, my thought is, is that if you've got something that you need to store like that, uh, don't worry about how long it's going to take you to clean it up. Worry about whether or not it's going to be there to be cleaned up. So I think Cosmoline is a very excellent tool. You know, well, and go ahead. And and to to a company that um, I added down here, ammo cans. You can get ammo cans in various shapes, various sizes, and and especially with the. The piece by piece aspect of ARs, you can you can break it down in half, and you could find yourself a mortar can, and pack you can pack um, dug on everything you need to for that rifle in a mortar can. So, um, and and if you if you've got some desiccant packs or or something of that nature, it, it might not last you twenty years, but. Uh, a pre-charged desiccant pack would certainly last you a couple of months or, or even a year or two. Right. Well, and thanks for skipping to the bottom of the list there. I think we're going to have to put you on, on, uh, what do you do when your uh, employees disregard your, we're going to write you up. That's it. We're going to write you up there, Chris. 
Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I go to the naughty corner now. Um, <clears throat> now, I came across the uh, PET bags. Uh, they're not the poop bags that you carry with you when you're walking your dog. Uh, they're basically anti-corrosion um, bags. And it may be the wrong chemical variant, but I've seen the anti-rust um, uh, storage pouches. Have you guys seen those? Yeah. You know, the thing that my my biggest concern is that in anything like that, any kind of a bag you're supposed to put your rifle in, to store it and keep it from getting rust, I mean, there is that issue of, well, you've got air in the bag and it's got moisture. You've got uh, an entry point for you to stick your rifle into. Uh, so unless you vacuum seal and close the bag off with, you know, some kind of a, a heat um, closure, how are you going to be sure that you have excluded anything that is going to provide corrosion? And, you know, Chris, you brought up the desiccant packs. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any kind of a desiccant material in sufficient quantities for whatever it is you're storing in, capable of, you know, basically absorbing the moisture, is of high quality. But the question is always going to be, how secure is your storage unit? Whatever it is you're going to store your rifle in, how secure is it against the other perils of storage, like corrosion, um, rust, you know, the things that might occur. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of why I think the idea of a cosmoline-coated um, firearm really begins the conversation. You know, if you have some other kind of a storage bag that you're going to store the rifle in after you've added cosmoline, I think that, you know, that's a belt and suspenders approach, which is never a bad idea, especially when you're talking about storing something uh, in places that are not necessarily a hospitable environment. Now, um, the third item on my list only arrives because I watched some silly post-apocalyptic movie a month or two ago. So the question is, what would you do with a 55-gallon drum and enough oil to fill it after you put all your cash items in it? So the idea of basically storing a rifle immersed in an oil, I think that might be an option. I, I don't know why it wouldn't be, and I don't know that it would be a good option. But, uh, guys, what are your thoughts? You think having a... <clears throat> A barrel full of oil with your firearms in it would be something of value? Or do you think that's kind of a, a fool's errand there? It depends on what the price of crude oil is at the moment. Well, it'll I be mean, refined. It could be, <laughs> be a great investment. Now, I, I guess it's kind of, I mean, if you had to move quick or where you're going to keep it, and, I mean, it, you're trying to do it without a trace, it's going to be a little hard when you're doing 55 gallons of oil with your rifles dipped in it and uh, it's going to be, it's going to take, those rifles will not be, you know, pull out operational nope, right from the nope. go. You're going to have to clean them. Um, Although I, I don't know that they would ever be that way if you're properly storing those rifles in an inhospitable environment. On, I mean, depending on the weight of the oil, are, are you talking about storing them in 50 weight oil or are you talking about storing them in something, you know, light like CLP? Well, I mean, I think you talked to some of the guys that we've run across in the in the history of the show, and there are guys that think that you know, basically, motor oil is uh, more than adequate lubricant for an AR. Why wouldn't a barrel mm-hmm. filled with motor oil work? You know, it's commonly Wait available. You could walk into your local hardware store and probably sweep off uh, enough uh, motor oil to fill your shopping cart. Yeah, I'm supposed to oil my AR. When were you going to tell me this? <laughs> I was going to let you figure it out when it stopped working. <laughs> well, and, and, and Lucas, I, I picked it up a while back, but Lucas actually has a small little bottle. I've got one back in, in, in the house here that uh, it, it's red. It looks like ATF. It looks like transmission fluid, mm-hmm. um, but it's a Lucas gun oil. Can you get it in 55-gallon drums? If you so desire, and it, it brings up another thing. If you work in an industrial environment where, there, where that's somewhat of a commonplace, I, 
I'd, I'd store my rifles that way because if you're picking out of a batch of 3,000 barrels, but you know the two that you have things stored in, get it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about some of the ways to preserve. Um, what about some of the storage vehicles? One of the ones that has always kind of caught my eye is the Monovault. Put a link in the show notes to uh, the listing on the Brownells website. And uh, they have one that my understanding is, is that you're, it is capable of holding, uh, the, uh, the M60, uh, the old school, uh, M60, which is a pretty long, uh, vault, but it's a cylindrical vault. I think it's made of, uh, what is it? Polystyrene. It's the hard polymer plastic. Uh, pretty durable, pretty rugged. But, you know, when you talk about something that's, you know, almost four foot tall, uh, that's a pretty good, uh, well, actually it's longer than, it is 49.38 uh, inches tall. So, you know, that's four foot and an inch and 0.38. So, <laughs> that's a whole lot of storage there. Uh, and, you know, it, it's di- diameter is pretty substantial as well. So, and you can get a shorter one that's uh, about a foot in diameter and 34 inches long. Uh, I think either one of those are more than capable of holding uh, at least two rifles and more than enough ammunition and other supplies. Now, granted, they'll get very heavy after you've, you know, filled a tube that full of ammunition and supplies, but... Filling it to the top is probably not in your best interest anyways. So that's something that's always intrigued well, me as a, as an option. Well, and I, I, I'm measuring, I've got my, my 16 inch blackout with the stock fully retracted and it does have the Lantac Dragon here on the end. Um, I'm right at 34 inches. So that would, uh, that, that 34 inch monovolt would probably fit the, fit the yeah. bill there. And, you know, break it into two pieces or take your stock off the end and you're probably going to lose that extra. True. True. So, you know, I think that that to me is a, a very good starting point. You know, once again, the, the flaw in any system like this is how, uh, how much integrity do you have in the seal? And especially how much integrity you're going to have over time. Yeah, you know, everything's fine and dandy until your seal busts, and if you don't have anything to protect against corrosion, um, then whatever's in there could, you know, rust corrode to the point of, you know, being unserviceable. Uh, so, you know, I think that's why you kind of have to look at this as a one-two punch. Um, PVC, you know, I think that's something that we've all uh, seen, watched a YouTube video about, heard, conceptualized, just because we're bright enough to figure it out. Um, you know, big enough chunk of PVC with a couple of those, uh, screw in, uh, uh, lid, uh, uh, ends, you know, pasted or glued to the end of the PVC length. You know, now you essentially have a, you know, hardware store monovault, you know, for, I don't know, a tenth of the price, which, you know, isn't a bad, <laughs> yeah, it, it isn't a bad yeah. investment. You know, of course, uh, PVC is a brittle plastic. It's a plastic that will degrade over time, you know, given the environment it's subjected to. And I don't know how, um, good, uh, the, the glue, uh, at the joints is going to ever be. Um, so, you know, you once again go back to that question of having kind of a multiple backup kitchen and sink, uh, approach to, or belt and suspenders approach to how you're going to store something. Uh, you know, of course, the, uh, ammo can idea, Chris, that you, you brought up, uh, long before we were ready to discuss it. But, um, you know, here, that, every ammo can I've ever seen has a, a gasket that seals the can. You know, I think the, the story I heard is a find in maybe California, a, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis era fallout shelter in the backyard gets overgrown with weeds and bushes and, you know, shrubbery to the point that, you know, 40, 50 years later, someone discovers it when they're trimming back those hedges. And in the bottom are several ammo cans floating in knee-deep water from the 1960s. Everything inside is 
perfectly preserved because the seals held. Yeah. Now, not a bad idea. Um, and then I think, J.D., you brought up the idea of a vacuum-packed bag that holds whatever you're going to put in it. Now, I'm sure you're talking about a much more professional vacuum-sealed outfit than, like, say, the one that I put my last you know, deer in because I think a number of those bags have uh, busted loose and I lost some of my, my game. So, but Okay, well, let's not blame user error. I mean, let's not... Let's not focus on user error. Let's focus on what oh. vacuum sealing could actually do. Now, wait a minute there, <laughs> boo-boo. I am not your average picnic bear or Jellystone <laughs> Park bear. Um, another one I, I thought of uh, being here in the Southwest, food storage is a big thing. And so I was thinking, um, you know, the five-gallon buckets with Mylar bags and the uh, – um, Man, I'm gonna oxygen absorbers. You could you could probably get away with storing. I mean, the barrel might be difficult, but if you broke everything down, you may be able to store it in the mylar bags and through several of those food storage bins, and then put actual food on top of them in another mylar bag and seal it all up, and nobody would know the difference. It would kind of be if I'm jumping ahead. What's the phrase? Uh, in plain sight. Um, Something like that. That may work for me because food storage is pretty big uh, here in Southern Nevada. So that's just another way I was thinking of storing it. I think that's a good point. You know, or, I think. Oh, go ahead. We could do uh, like the rifle we saw at the shot show this year. Let's just find a random tree, lean the rifle up against the tree, <laughs> forget about it for a hundred years, and then come back. It'll be there. Well, maybe what you need to do is. Uh Put a, a rifle in a piece of PVC and uh, zip tie it to a tree so that the trunk grows around it. You know, by the time you're old and gray, you can tell your kids the story about how deep inside the trunk of that tree is a rifle. They're illegal now and we can't touch them, but when it comes time, you just cut that bad boy open and you'll be ready. Yeah, my yeah, kids have probably cut right through the rifle. <laughs> it, it would It would be mint, wouldn't it? So, and, and and actually, it's funny. It's funny. We actually, uh, in my time overseas, we found um, we found ammunition like inside of a tree that a guy was trying to hide from us. So, if it works for ammunition, it may as well work for a rifle too. There you go. All right. So, where do you store what you're going to hide? In the vessel you're going to hide it in. At Reed's so, house? Yeah. Well, when it comes to my house, it gets sold to a mystery buyer and never seen again. Um, so I think that we all have a pretty fair idea of all of the hidey holes that we would like to store something. Uh, you know, certainly a number of these, um, they work better than others. Um you know, I think always the, the problem is, is that we're not talking about anything that a reasonably bright fellow isn't going to be able to figure out on their own. You just have to be luckier than the next guy. So, uh, I put the first one on the list is underground. There's nothing like digging a hole and stashing something and letting time cover up any trace that it's ever been there. Uh, you know, certainly there are ways to get around that. Uh, archaeologists do that all the time, but frankly, I don't think the archaeologists are going to be working for the government. So, uh, I think it's a good starting point. Um, I, I also put, uh, in plain sight. And so, I, I'm, guys, when I say in plain sight, why don't, why don't we elaborate on that? Uh, Chris, tell me what you, you conceive of as the, the in plain sight storage idea. Um, there's, gosh, you can go on, on Pinterest on any, a number of sites and, no, no, wait a minute. and just, really just, go. Just tell me a few. Um, I've got this awesome Pepsi machine right here next to me. And, um, it, it's, it's an idea that I found online and, uh, this thing's really cool. And I think that 99. 987% of people that walk by it are going to be like, oh, wow, he just has this really cool old Pepsi machine. Um, you know, I, I bet it doesn't work. I bet there's nothing in it, whatever. Or, and it's, 
it's destined to be my ammunition storage at some point um, when I find that time. But uh, but yeah, it's it's there's ledge lockers, there's um, all sorts of just really interesting interesting places. You could put false false walls in your kitchen cabinets at the back, and and you would unless you know it's there, then you're not going to look there. Yep, yep, that's a good point. JD, what do you think about in when we bring up in plain sight? Uh, in plain sight, I think like uh, medicine cabinets. You, know, you take out the medicine cabinet, you're able to clear out a little bit behind it. You'd be able to store some stuff back in there, reseal the medicine cabinet, caulk it, and uh, it'd be in there, and nobody'd be the wiser. Um, on family pictures, you know, you can cut in the drywall and patch it, and make it look great. You can, you know, even if you have a, a family ottoman or a coffee table. I mean, it doesn't take much to hollow out some of the area and um, make it secure for a firearm to fit in there and then put it back together like you know, it's brand new with some sanding and some stain. So th- th- that's what I think, you know, uh, if not that, like stupid art designs that your significant other may want you to have in the living room. You could, you know, when they're not home, hollow them out and put a rifle in there and it sits in the corner and they love it and you admire it because you know it's in there. Um Stuff like that, I think. Yeah, I think that's th- th- those are all good points. There are a lot of things that you can do to hide something in plain sight. Um, so I want to know who put your neighbor's house. That was me. That was me. Um, if if I've got a neighbor that says, "Hey, this is a gun-free home sign sitting out in front of their yard," guess what? Nobody's going to go there looking for guns. So it's not my case here, but. Uh, but hey, if I if I have one of those signs and I stick it in their yard, who's, who's going to be the wiser to go over there and and, and take a peek? <laughs> I like it when you drink before a show, Chris. <laughs> oh, <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, in your car or truck, are, are we yeah, talking about me, like packing up your vehicle like it's a you know south of the border drug mule car? Hollowing no, out little about, parts of your rear fender talking- and. Your quarter panels and like putting ammunition in your tires, your spare tire. No, there there is space, usable space in a Ford F one fifty. And Nick left us a comment that uh, he's giving us a bad rating because of your smack talk of the Fords. <laughs> so um, this, <laughs> oh, this is this is redemption because I have driven three Ford F one fifties in the last seventeen years, and uh, I love each one of them dearly. Um, but there's several spots. Um, if I wasn't, you know, crazy about having subwoofers in my truck, I'd have more room, but there's several places you could store them. Um, even in plain, you know, basically in plain sight, if you have a roof rack and it's, you know, your roof is receded, you can put them up there and people looking in, just looking in the car, wouldn't see them. Uh, you can go behind the seats, you can go under the seats. Uh, sometimes, you know, where the spare tire or the jack is there, uh, you could disassemble an upper not too far. You could take an upper and a lower apart, and you could probably wrap it up in cloth or something and put it in there, and nobody would know the difference. You'd have the jack right next to it, and you just pull out the jack and, and have it all set up. So there's there are ways that you can make space or find space out of the spare tire. Um, if you were to wrap it up and protect it, uh, you could even, you know, bolt it to the top of the spare tire and lift it up. It'd be exposed to the elements, the, the, the outside of the bag or the container that you used. But who's going to freaking crawl under your truck and go check the spare tire to see, unless they listen to this show now. I guess I need to do what I got. But anyway, who's going to go up there and check? I mean, seriously, there's there's all sorts of things you can do. You can insulate your truck walls and hide it in behind there. So... And door panels and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so tell me about the uh, gun foster care program that you started up, JD, and uh, tell the, the listeners care, how you can take care of them. Uh, the gun foster care program is something that uh, has come out of my heart for those that live about 30 miles to the border that way. And um, they live in that California state. And uh, they're just having a hard time. I'm trying to convince Anthony to be my first customer. Uh, basically, what it is, 
is I will hold on to your guns for you. I will pet them. I will love them. I will encourage them. I will whisper soft nothings into their chambers and all for like $19.99 a month. And it doesn't matter (laughs) matter how many guns you send me. I will store them, keep them safe, keep their self-esteem up. For $19.95 a month, you send that every month, I'll take care of it, and then you can go pick up your arms when you wake up and you move out of the state. I like that. I like that. Good idea. So what happens if the revolution comes uh, in the midst of you securing their firearms? I become a warlord. (laughs) 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 I I, 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 the the last one on the list. I said last ditch. Guess what? I live in a house that's got a septic tank. They're going in there. They're going in there. If if it's me or them, they're going in the septic tank. Sorry. Here, hold on a second, Chris. I'm gonna. I'm going to take that out of the show notes. I'm going to put it up here so that it actually feels like you covered your idea in sequence. You know, we make these <laughs> lists for a reason, Chris. I gotcha. <laughs> All right. Who burb? Who just hiccuped? <laughs> that was me laughing weird. So sorry. It sounds like Barney from The Simpsons burbing <laughs> <in> the bar. <laughs> All right, so um, right after septic tank, uh, somebody put in another idea. So uh, who who would like to go over covert storage? I put in. I that's me. I'm guilty again. Okay, uh, tactical walls. Um, they're and they're a product. They look like mirrors, and they're they're inset into your wall. You cut a you take a little blade. You cut a wall and uh, cut a hole with in the drywall and inset it into the wall. There's a little magnet. You put the magnet in the right spot and the, the mirror slides. It's a covert little thing. Um, it goes along with what JD said. You could, you could do it the, the, the redneck way and you could just take a hacksaw and, and cut and then just hang a picture over top. Or you could do it with, uh, what I would call a little bit more class and, uh, Something that actually has, it's got shelves and, and that kind of thing with it. Now, I want to, I want to clarify. Chris, did you just call JD a redneck? Um, I may or may not have. <laughs> I may have called his idea a redneck idea. Hey, now, if you, if you want to call it a redneck idea, that is fine with me. Uh, me and my rednecks, we can patch up, you know, you know, drywall and make it look all nice and pretty. We don't need a $450 tactical wall to make things look pretty, but I get it. I'll embrace the redneck comment. <laughs> the, all right. The, the redheaded redneck. Oh, uh, come on now. Remember, I do have full editorial control over the audio file as soon as I receive it from Reed and post it. So I can... I can make you say anything I need you to say. <laughs> I'm just I'm just reading your title if anybody's paying attention. So I'm Reed's redheaded stepchild. Nice. Yeah, but you've never been beat <laughs> like one, so you know, don't throw that out there. Um so who likes the idea of storing their rifle at work? Uh I put uh down at work. Um because other you know, than being at home, I spend most of my time at work, unfortunately. But um our building was built in 1972, so it is a concrete mod lock rebar steel walled fortress. Huh. Um, literally, the we could have a bomb go off on Las Vegas Boulevard, a nuclear bomb, and the building would still be standing. Um, and plus, it's just you know being there, I could have one close uh, and store it in the building. If you get into those walls. Um, it's, it's a nightmare to, to try to get up there and get in. But if you were able to create a way to lay it down in one of those mod lock walls, nobody's ever going to find it. Oh, I believe point. Jimmy Hoffa's in those walls. <laughs> 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 so <clears throat> I think that's a pretty fair representative sample of some of the ideas that are out there. There are probably thousands more. And maybe even twice as many more than that that people will never tell you about that they've dreamed up on their own. So I think it's fair to say that there are plenty of places you can do this. Um, hey, Reed. Yeah. Let's read the, uh, before we go to the last topic here, the last one, why. Um, let's go through and share 
<laughs> what everyone came up with on the uh, Facebook page oh, where right. they would hide uh, their rifles. So I'll go ahead and start here at the, <laughs> the bottom. Um, Robert says in Hillary Clinton's closet under her ethics textbooks from college. <laughs> Mike Kyle says I'm not hiding Jack Squat. Uh, Brian says your mom's house. Um, John Thompson says behind yours. Uh, Nick says your anus. Um, <laughs> Jim says they would not have to ask because it would be in my hands. Um, Josh up my butt and around the corner and don't forget by. <laughs> uh, Graham says the bodies are firearms. Um, John's like, oh, hell no. Um, Eugene, what firearms? Uh, Joshua, uh, I have no firearms. They were lost in a boating accident. Brian, sold them to a guy with good teeth. Don, I would never tell you. Uh, all my firearms were lost in a tragic boating accident. Jeremy, uh, who else? Justin, uh, just so everyone knows, I sold them on all mine to read. Um, that's classified. Uh, I gave mine to Eric Holder. He said something about starting Fast and Furious back up. Um, all mine were stolen. Uh, didn't I turn them in already? I thought uh, that was you who just stopped by, Benjamin. And I got to say, the, the winner's Evelyn. Um, she she had a pretty – and, Reed, I'm going to let you describe where she decided to uh, share where she was – I mean, if agents came to the door like this, I'd give up all my guns immediately. I think really the only G-rated way of saying it is glorious orbs. Glorious orbs. Yep. I'm just going to leave it as <laughs> glorious orbs. When these glorious so, uh, orbs stare you in the face, all is forgotten. So thank you guys for your feedback on that. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. And uh, moving to the final part, why we're talking about this. Uh, Reed, what's the uh, first reason why we would store? You know, I, I think it's going to go back to that whole idea of the revolution. And when the revolution comes, who's going to be the first one against the wall? I'm going to try to make sure it's not me. But, uh, you know, here, here's, here is the reality. Civilizations have risen and fallen throughout all of recorded time, all of recorded history, and there's no reason why our glorious country can't have that happen. Now, did you mean to delete all that feedback? I did. Did you see what I'm writing? No. Oh, well, I guess we're out of time. Uh, you know, when the revolution comes, and I think that anybody who is going to be pragmatic about this is going to take the position that, well, never say never. I don't think that it's going to happen. I don't think that we are going to let our great nation fail in such a, you know, huge way that we would ever have to take up arms within the borders of our country uh, and face off against our government. I just, I just don't see that we would let it happen. But, you know, the whole idea of a creeping gradualism that gets us to the point where uh, everything that we've held dear has been stripped and rendered from the Constitution could drive people to do those desperate things that create revolution. And as our forefathers uh, realized, uh, you can only revolt if you have the power to stand up against the tyranny that is causing you to make that choice. So I think revolution is a concept that we have not seen in practice in so long that so many people that uh, live in this world and blindly bury their heads in cell phones and tablets and, you know, whatever it is that's going on out in the world, social media, who, who knows, they're not going to ever consider the possibility. And when it happens, if it happens... It'll be too late. So I think that's why you have to understand in your own thinking and your own thought process when it's time, when is it going to be time to take these steps? And if it does become time, what do I do? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I threw out, you know, uh, act of God. You know, if one were going to be, uh, progressive and trying to figure out what they were going to do to prepare for things they couldn't control 
I think this is a, a fair enough uh, roadmap on how to create a cache for a uh, weapon system or your tools for self-defense so that, you know, if civilization was turned topsy-turvy where you were, um, you would know where to go to arm yourself and be able to be self-sufficient um, in the absence of government, uh, in the absence of police, in the absence of security, whatever the case is. And so I think that the the roadmap, the discussion is one that will help you get to that place where you can find yourself um, in a defensible uh, condition. <clears throat> you know, I think that uh, there are other perils of civilization that kind of uh, are related in, in many ways to those two ideas. And uh, they all spur the same thought, uh, which is, you know, how do I prepare uh, for a time that uh, may or may not happen, uh, but knowing that it's better to be prepared and have it not happen than it is for it to happen and not be prepared. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and me, I live in the, the fun tornado alley and um, just only very few weeks ago, uh, there was actually a tornado that hit uh, just up here in Pontiac, which is a 30 minute drive up the highway from me. And, it's it's crazy to think about, and there's there's been several tornadoes that have hit over the you know the course of my lifetime all around me, but it, to think about it it could be you it could be you next so um not not to be that uh, that crazy guy or whatever but you know always stand prepared. Yeah, I think you're only crazy when you're talking about tornadoes when you say the government makes them. I, I don't think they. I don't think they do, but I cannot prove that. Um, <clears throat> I think my plan is, uh, in, in the event of a tornado, to make sure that my gun safe is so heavy it won't fly away. Yeah. Well, guys, anything to add to why uh, you'd want to take this uh, thought exercise uh, uh, to heart and figure out uh, what your choices were? No, sir. All right. Well, then, in that case. Since uh, J.D. has uh, informed me that the length of our podcast has precluded us from going through feedback until next week, uh, I think it's time for us to close out. So, J.D., I'll let you close this out. All right. Sounds good. Um, for questions and comments, uh, send them to ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will have feedback next week. Uh, we will have a lengthy discussion on why Reed should drive an F-150. Uh, subscribe and listen to the AR-15 podcast for free in iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a review uh, so the show can place higher in the searches for potential listeners. Uh, visit us on Instagram. Uh, Reed's uh, A1 clone is up there right now at AR-15 podcast. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash AR-15 podcast. Check out the other great podcasts on the Firearms Radio Network. Uh, don't forget to check out the Brownells affiliate link and also the Amazon affiliate link at firearmsradio.tv. Also, time to sign up for the Aero Precision M5308 giveaway um, that Chris is not eligible to win. Reed and I are, but Chris isn't. Um, <laughs> you can do that by going to firearmsradio.tv. Uh, Anthony put the link up there just the other day, so you don't have to go to Facebook and check that out. You can go there, firearmsradio.tv. Uh, Facebook.com backslash AR15 podcast. We also got the sign up there. And uh, that is going to wrap it up for episode 174. Also, a shout out to Otis Technology uh, for partnering with the AR-15 podcast. All right, everybody. Have yourself a good week. We will be back once again with another episode. Good night, guys.
what you're thinking. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? Now, to tell you the truth, I kind of forgot in all this excitement. But being this is the Guns of Hollywood podcast on the most popular pro-gun podcast network in the world and will blow your eardrums clean out, you've got to ask yourself a question. Have you subscribed yet? Well, have you, punk? Gunsofhollywood.com or search Guns of Hollywood on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher app. Punk. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.